Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. This is a very, very exciting morning for me. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Adam. I'm the director of student ministries here at Northwest, and I'm a pretty, uh, I'm a pretty emotional dude. No, come on. Pretty. That was a very, very terrible attempt. At. Um, I'm a pretty emotional dude uh, when I when I'm up here on the stage, and this is a especially. Um, there, this is just awesome to me, like to see the students up here um, and to, to witness them leading uh, you guys into worship of, of God is really, really cool. Uh, I was telling the, uh, the other service, I, um, both of these, the last two years we've done this, it's been really, really terrible timing um, because it's been like a couple weeks after our mission trip. Last year we went to Haiti and um, that was a really emotional um, trip, um, very, very heartbreaking in a lot of ways. Uh, we just got back last weekend from a trip with 16 of our high school students. Um, we went to Missouri to a place called Camp Barnabas, and uh, it's a, a camp for kids with special needs. And so each of our students was a one-on-one counselor with, um, with a kid with some sort of a, a disability, a uh, wide, wide range uh, on the spectrum as far as that's concerned. And you'll hear a little bit from them. Um, typically, I get up here and I'll talk for 30 minutes or so, um, and while sometimes that can go over well, I thought today... Uh, would be more powerful if you guys heard from some of the students. And uh, so I really want to continue to focus on, on them and their impact and how they're changing their worlds um, for the gospel. So um, we're gonna, I'm going to jump right in, and I'm going to have a couple of our students come share with you guys about Camp Barnabas and um, just the impact that it had on their life. So um, Madison, you can come on out. And um, while she's walking out, uh, I'm going to get her mic ready. And really, I just want you to hear her heart. I want you to hear um, how God kind of changed her perspective, uh, how God used her during the week um, with her camper that you'll see up here in just a second. Um, So I'll let her do the talking primarily. I may interject a couple times. um, But she told me right before service, she says, I have a lot more to say this service. So um, so you guys are in for a treat, I think. Um, So go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you. Okay, hi. Um, I'm Madison McNeese. Um, I'm going to be a junior this year at Cary High, and I'm 16 years old. And tell us, Maddie, um, this is a really cool part of her story. What do you What do you want to do when you're all when you're all done with school? Oh yeah, okay. Yep, that's <laughs> um, like three or four years ago. Um, nothing specific happened, but I was just sitting thinking about life, and I was like. I think I want to be a missionary when I grow up. Like, um, I just felt that that was what God was calling me to do. Um, I've always had a heart for people and for children and serving him. So I feel like that's kind of the path I'm on right now. Um, I'm not really sure where I want to go, what I want to do, but I know that's the gist of it. And I just can't wait to see what God has in store for me. So being able to go on this trip was just such a blessing. Like, I'm so thankful that I got to go and just get this experience in. Um, definitely one of the best weeks of my life. Yeah, and well, one of the cool things, so 16 years old, uh, for three years, um, you know, a lot of times we hear students that make a decision, and uh, it's a great decision, they have great intentions, but then as years pass, things kind of change, and, um, and God might lead them in a, in a new direction, or, um, you know, whatever happens, but this has been a constant in Madison's life for the last three years. Um, she hasn't stopped talking about wanting to be a missionary, and um, seeing that in her and seeing her heart for, for people and for kids and her passion for that kind of ministry um, just tells me that in a few years we'll be sitting with her um, possibly talking about how we're going to support her as a missionary or something because I guarantee you she's going to be on the mission field somewhere. Um, so it's very exciting. Um, I see her parents sitting out here and I know they're stoked about that. But this is, um, this is a really, really
really cool thing in her life that I think is really important as she continues to talk. Um, she's serious about that and really feels God calling her to do that. So tell us about that camper right there on the screen. Okay, that's Ben, uh, my Ben. Um, so he's 11 years old. Um, he has cerebral palsy, and he was nonverbal. Um, so basically everything from here up worked. So his mental age was 11 years old, but basically fully dependent. I had to feed him. I had to carry him, give him water, all that fun stuff. <laughs> um, but since he was a boy, I didn't have to change him or give him showers. So that was made it a little bit easier, but it was still very difficult. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, okay. So um, I think a lot of people can look at the week and maybe not really understand the, the true challenges. So tell us about the biggest challenges you had with Ben, and then tell us what some of your favorite things about Ben were. Um, well, there were two major things. Um, one of them was sometimes I would feel as if I was not enough for him. Um, it's kind of hard being with someone who can't speak for themselves. So when I could tell he was in pain or discomfort, there was nothing I could do about it. So sometimes I would just sit out on the porch and just cry because my heart was just breaking for this kid that it's just I know he has so much to say and he can't so that was really hard for me to um to just deal with and then secondly um it was hard to also take care of myself while I was taking care of someone else um so fully dependent which means I had to you know spoon feed him all of his food and help him like chew it so um by the time lunch was over I realized that I hadn't even touched my food um you know I would you know, I took tuck him in bed at night, and then I'd be worried about him all night, so I wouldn't get any sleep. So it was just kind of hard to focus on myself and someone else. It's like you have this other person's life in your hands, really. So that was another challenge. Um, so like basically, the whole week was like my favorite thing. Um, some of my favorite things about Ben were um, his laugh and his smile. Um, basically, he was straight face all week like this. <laughs> and so so um, these little moments, um, I remember me and him were on the swing together, um, and he was just laughing and smiling, and it was, I was like so tired, but I was like, this is so worth it. <laughs> it was so sweet, like, oh, gosh. Gosh. <laughs> so sweet. Um, um, he liked to hold hands, so whenever we'd be sitting down, he'd like flap his arm around until I grabbed his hand. Um, <laughs> and uh, each night we had to... Um, we had some special time together where I would give him a bottle of chocolate milk before he went to bed. Um, so that was really a fun moment. And also, I forgot to mention this the last service, but um, for one of the activities we did, we had gospel time, which is basically one-on-one -on -one time with your camper, um, diving into the Word, talking about God, yada, yada. Um, but I was really nervous. <laughs> okay. Not yada, yada. The Bible's... Okay. Anyway. So, so... Oh, sorry. So... So I was really nervous because I was like, well, I'm just going to be sitting here, like, just talking to myself, basically. And, like, I know he's not going to be, like, attentive. So I just, like, started reading, like, random passages and stuff. And, like, he was not really paying attention and whatever. Um, and I finally reached uh, Luke. And I talked about Jesus' crucifixion. And um, I read one of my favorite verses. I don't remember what it is right now. But <laughs> it goes, um, today I tell you the truth, you'll be with me in paradise. Um, and so I go to Ben, like, Ben, you're going to be able to walk in heaven with Jesus. And his eyes just lit up, and he was just smiling and so excited. And I was, like, crying. I was like, oh, my gosh, like, he understands me. Like, I was, like, flipping through my Bible. I need, I need to read more. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was really a really touching moment. So tell us, um, tell us what's one big thing that God taught you through the week. What did you learn coming out of that? Um, just to have a heart for people, anyone, any shape or size or whatever. Um, it's really cool to me that all throughout the year, these kids are defined by their disorder 
or their illness, and that they get to come to this camp for a week where it doesn't define them. Um, and I just remember um, coming into the week, my expectations were that I was going to get a girl camper. Um, and then I remember uh, I was, like, so nervous when I figured out I was going to get a boy camper. I was like, well, what do I do now? Like, I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, <clears throat> so I was like, all right, God's trying to take me out of my comfort zone. Okay. So um, when we were looking over the pieces of paper that described all the campers, uh, I saw Ben's name. And um, I wanted to pick a camper that would be more of a challenge for me because I figured, well, if I'm already out of my comfort zone, I might as well just go all the way. So <laughs> when they laid out all the pieces of paper and they're like, okay, pick your camper, I was like, Ben! <laughs> like, I dove for his name. But um, uh, it's cool that, like, there's so much more than what that little piece of paper has to say about them. I mean, they're people, and they're so sweet and genuine. So God definitely taught me that, like, just because somebody is a little different than you doesn't mean that they aren't still a person and they have so much more to offer. So definitely my heart is just really soft for kids like that now. Um, so, yeah. So, so you're there for a week. God did some cool stuff in your heart. So now what? What are you going to do now that you're back home, getting uh, back into your, into your routine? Honestly, I wish I could just stay there forever. <laughs> um, but um, I think it's uh, – I really want to go volunteer in the special needs class at my school. Um, I think that would be really cool. I'm, I really am sort of drawing towards kids with special needs now that I've been there and been around those kinds of kids. Um, so I just definitely want to just serve God with all that I do. Um, I just want to, oh my gosh, if I could move to Africa right now, I probably would, <laughs> but I can't, so high school. So yeah, just definitely just, uh, just have a bigger heart for people now, I guess. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Madison, for sharing. All right. I'm going to call one more of our students. Come on out, Davis. Um, so one of the, the cooler things for me this week, um, one of my roles at Barnabas was to be what's called a cabin dad. And so I was assigned to a cabin where um, all the campers and then their missionaries, as they were called, and then they had two cabin staff there as well. And uh, Davis was our sole student that was in my cabin. So I spent most of the week um, with him and with his camper that he'll tell you about. Um, so one of the cool things, uh, Madison kind of mentioned a little bit about how she saw Ben's name on a piece of paper. The way that they have you um, choose your camper, um, we think we're choosing, I think God ordains it, but um, the way in which you choose your camper is they give you all the, the um, applications, basically, that their parents filled out online, and you get to read um, the challenges that come with that camper, what, what you need to do to make sure they have a comfortable and safe week, um, you know, visiting the, you know, the nurses or um, feeding tubes or whatever that kind of stuff is. Um, and so they get to read over all of that, and whoever they feel God kind of pulling them towards is who they get to choose. And so um, when Madison jumped all over that paper, as she said, um, that was obviously the Holy Spirit moving in her. And um, one thing that I saw throughout the whole entire week was just how God so beautifully um, orchestrated the matches of our students and the campers. Um, personalities could not have matched better. Uh, our, this, the gifts that our students had to offer, the uniqueness about them was perfect for what that camper needed. Um, so it was really, really awesome to see all of that play out kind of from the outside looking in. So I'll let Davis tell you a little bit about how he chose his camper. Um, but first, introduce yourself, tell us about yourself, and then we'll get into so your friend back there. Um, so I'm Davis Castellanos. Uh, I'm going to be a sophomore at Panther Creek, and I'm 15 right now, so I'll be 16 next week. Um, just going into Camp Barnabas, I kind of wanted to learn the next step, where, my next step with Christ and what he wanted me to do after then and what 
he wanted my prof profession to be and how I could live out life for him. So that was kind of led into when we got those sheets of paper and we were picking our campers and nothing was really tugging on my heart. I wanted something difficult. I wanted something that, I mean, not necessarily that I couldn't handle, but something that God could really help me with. So when they're passing the sheets through, I was looking at each person, and obviously it, it tells you a little bit about them. But when they are, um, our counselors were asking us who we wanted, he went through all the lists, and I kind of just waited until last to see or to get no one else, who no one else picked to get the last camper. So, um, yeah, I was, I mean, it was perfect for me because I really feel changed through my camper. And you were able to trust God with that decision, yeah. right, which is pretty cool. I think that's pretty admirable that he just said, you know what? God, this is in your hands. Uh, I'm going to let you work this out. Whoever's left, that's my guy. And so it was perfect. I'm telling you, it was perfect. I wish you could have seen um, Davis. I wish you guys could have seen Davis um, with this boy here. So tell us about your camper. Um, so my camper's name was Daniel. He had cerebral palsy. Um, he had a mental age of one, and uh, he was nonverbal. So, I mean, he wouldn't really talk to me a lot. Obviously, he couldn't say anything, but uh, he didn't give me any facial expressions. I had to change him all the time, uh, feed him. He couldn't feed himself. Um, but I think my biggest goal during the whole week was just trying to make him smile because uh, just during the week he'd have a blank expression on his face and I could tell he knew what we were doing, but I just wanted him to feel joy and I just wanted him to have the greatest week of his life. So I think that was just main goal. Yeah. And a uh, testimony to Davis too. Um, you know, he mentioned that he had to actually change um, Daniel, and Daniel, I don't know if you can tell from the picture, Daniel's, how many pounds do you think he has on you? 50, 60? <laughs> no it, was, it was a big boy. Uh, his wheelchair weighed quite a bit, and Davis was just, man, this was a hilly camp, so he's pushing him all over the place. But one of the things he had to do was change his briefs, and he had to um, bathe him. And, um, you know, a kid who's near his age that, um, that he literally had to, to take care of. And um, no complaining, no mockery, no jokes uh, he knew that, that that's the, the task that God had given him, and he did it willingly, wholeheartedly, um, and he just jumped right in. It was really cool for me to see um, him, him take that. So um, challenges that you faced with Daniel, and then your favorite thing about him? Um, just the challenges, like we said, just some physical, I guess, just pushing him up and down the hills. Those were pretty hard. Um, and then just like what I said before, I really wanted him to feel joy. I really wanted him to be... Uh, immersed in what we were doing, so even though he couldn't really hold like the arrows when we were shooting bows and arrows, I just wanted him to feel like he was a part of that. So that was just kind of the biggest challenge, just making him engaged. And then, yeah, the favorite thing is just making him smile. Yeah, tell us how you figured out how to make him smile. Uh, so in, in the video that you'll see, I uh, he he would never. I mean, he wouldn't really smile a lot. So I noticed that he would always laugh and like giggle whenever someone else was in pain. I wouldn't ever. <laughs> Someone was whining, so I just started to, like, mimic him. I guess what he would, like, whenever he needed water or something, he would just go, hmm. So I'd, I'd start doing that, and he'd start, like, laughing hysterically. So I figured out that that's what he... he yeah, he loved when people were in pain. <laughs> so that was really funny. And so you'll see Davis fake cry. He, he learned to fake cry a lot, and when he would fake cry, Daniel would just bust out laughing so hard. So that was really, yeah. really cool. All right, so tell us what God taught you, and now that you're back from that week, um, what's changed and what are you, um, you going to do now? Um, so God's taught me so much. Uh, I mean, the, pe the people, the campers that we have there, they have so little as to like physical needs, but I mean, just seeing how bright and how excited they are, I think God just taught me 
what he can do in someone's life and how he could change me. I think I hoped that I could change him, but I think Daniel had a, more of an impact on me than the other way around. So Cool. So now you're home. School's getting ready to start up. Uh, I think I'm just, like I said, going into it. I said that I wanted um, God to show me a path of what I want to do with the rest of my life. So I think learning from this, maybe I want to go into missionary work or maybe I want to work with special kids, special needs. But um, I think I have a way with kids, so I think that's yeah, where do. God's pulling me. Cool. Awesome, man. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right, so as, as Davis referenced, um, we're going to show you a video here in a second to give you guys a glimpse of, of what went on. Um, that's a 15-year-old kid that, um, that was just talking to you about his week. Uh, that's pretty powerful, I think. And um, one, of the, one of the things about Camp Barnabas is you have to be 16 to actually work with one of their, one of their campers. And so we had three boys that were 15 at the time. Um, and I called uh, Sarah, who's in charge, and I said, hey, we got three boys. Uh, they're almost 16, literally like some of them are a couple weeks out. What do you think? And she said, well, it's up to you. It's up to you if you think that they're ready. And I said, without even hesitating, well, all three of them are ready. I have, I have such confidence in these boys that they're going to step up and they're mature enough to handle that. Um, and I was just so impressed. And not just with Davis and with Madison, but with the other uh, 14 high school students that we took, just the uniqueness of their camper and how, um, you know, we had uh, – Whereas there she is. We had a, a couple um, of our missionaries of our students that had runners. So you got to be ready to run when they're taking off. And so they would be chasing after them. And um, it was just really cool to see them literally give everything that they had to a point of complete exhaustion, um, mentally, emotionally, physically, um, and then have to completely rely on God to really get them through the rest of the week because they were just humanly, they were drained completely. Um, and seeing them do that and leave that camp I, I believe giving every ounce that they had for their camper was just an amazing thing to see. So um, this video, I, I want to just preface it because there's a couple of things you're going to see that I think are going to be really important. One, uh, you'll see right up near the front um, the students meeting their campers for the first time. So when you see them kind of running up and celebrating, every single, this is so cool, man, every single camper that got there, um, they would basically throw a party for them. They'd announce their name, and the place would just go wild and cheer and scream and run and dance. And in that moment, that kid felt like the most important person on planet Earth. Uh, and they were so good about it that they would ask the parents, you know, can they handle a lot of noise? And if, if they, you know, couldn't really handle that much um, stimulation, the noise, then you would, you would be loud with your bodies, right? They'd go, okay, let's be loud with our bodies. And you do this. So you would celebrate that person, but they were, so, they were so sensitive to that. But it was really cool. So you'll see that. And also you'll see a part in the video where um, there's, a, there's a point where they're carrying a cross down this pathway. And on the cross, you'll see these little plaques on it. And each of those has a name of a camper that has been to that camp that has passed away. Um, so what they did is they lined up our cabins, and one, um, one of the campers and one of the missionaries would take that cross, and they would carry it to the next group, and they would pray over that cross, and then they would take it to the next group. And it was cool just to see um, in, you know, in remembrance, in honor of those kids that had come before them, these, um, these campers just praying over and, and really recognizing uh, the power of this place. So um, check out this video, and then we got one more testimony for you guys when this is done.
sitting there and I realized as I'm watching that that I mentioned at the beginning it's terrible timing for me but I didn't explain why because I get really really emotional about this kind of stuff seeing our students and uh, and how they serve and um, I don't really have time to debrief um, this short short amount of time and so today is like I see it all and it's all right there and I hear the students and I'm like now I'm going to debrief right in the middle of the service and my eyes get wet, so, and I see a lot of you guys wiping your eyes, too. That's really, really cool. I love that. Um, you should be proud of them. They did a great, great job at Camp Barnabas this year, and um, they're going to be different, and they already are because of it, so um, super, super cool. I'm going to ask one more guy to come out here, not a Camp Barnabaser, but a face recognizable nonetheless. This is Caleb Cross, everybody. Give it up for the man, the myth, the legend, yes. So, um, Caleb... There's just some really cool, crazy stuff going on in Caleb's life right now. And um, I thought it would be really good for you guys to hear uh, just what God's doing, where he's moving him, um, how he's kind of shifted things in Caleb's life. 
and uh, the recognition now that Caleb has uh, in that. So we're going to start with, um, with you. Introduce yourself. Tell us also um, about high school, um, what that was like, and what your hopes and dreams were kind of near the end there of, of that. Uh, my name is Caleb Cross. I just graduated from Panther Creek High School. Um, I played football, um, track and lacrosse here at Panther Creek. I love sports. Um, so my goal was to play football in college. That was what I had planned since I started playing. I uh, fell in love with it. So um, I had the opportunity to play um, at some D3 schools. Um, I had some interest at um, the Division One level, Harvard. Um, I'm not that smart. But um, <laughs> they were interested. And so I was really putting my hopes into this dream um, to play and um, to experience that. And um, that really wasn't God's plan for me. I found that out the hard way. I just put everything I had into it, and it just slammed the door on me. So I was, um, I was forced to go to Wake Tech. Um, so I, I didn't want to go, um, but I was like, okay, God's doing this for a reason. Um, and my goal was, okay, I'll go to Wake Tech, and then I'll transfer um, after one year and play at UNC Charlotte, walk on. Um, and I just didn't feel peace about it. Um, after the whole time, I was like, there's a reason why I'm going to community college. And so I just had to wait it out and pray. Um, and so that's where um, camp comes in. there. Yeah. So one of the cool things that you'll hear in a moment, you know, even in the midst of that closed door and seemingly, you know, the, the dreams are shattered, there's still that glimmer of hope that maybe after Wake Tech, I can still do it, right? So isn't that kind of our humanity, right? God closes the door, but we still push and we still say, but I, but I want to, but I want to. Um, rather than in that moment recognizing it's God closing it for a reason, which, which Caleb understands and, and came to that conclusion. So um, tell us how you felt. Like, I mean, that's a, that's a big part of this, this story. Like, how, how did that affect you when all these doors are closing and you're like, wait a minute, that's my dreams? Um, yeah, I was super stressed my senior year um, trying to figure out what I wanted to do, um, where I should go to play. There's options, and even though options are good, they were kind of stressful for me. Um, so when that happened, when all everything fell through and I had to kind of – figure my, my way through it, um, it was tough and it was difficult. And I felt like I didn't feel at peace about it. I, I felt like I was trying to push something that wasn't supposed to happen, but I wanted it to happen. So, I mean, it was, it was really stressful and it didn't feel very good. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, so tell us about camp. Um, camp, but then also the days after and kind of what, um, what God did in your heart. Um, so I've been to Lake Ann three times. Um, this is my last time right before college. So I wanted to be a really big um, impact on my life to um, get me through college and um, stay on fire for God. And so um, camp was awesome. I took some great notes. Ken Rudolph was speaking um, every night, and he's he's spoken here a couple times. He's really good. Um, so I I heard some of his messages, and he always had a message. Um, I think it was it's either Thursday or Friday night. It's the um, if you feel led to go message, um, and I've he I've heard it a couple times, and I heard it that night, and. I didn't really feel anything. I just, I was like, I want to do something, but I didn't feel it um, in my heart. And so um, I didn't really have a reaction to it. But um, that week of camp, when we got back Sunday, um, that's when it hit me. Um, the worship um, after service really hit me. I was, after the service, I was like, I have to do something. Like, I, I felt so, um, like, deep in my heart, like, I have to go do something for God. And so, um, Talked to Adam now on uh, that Sunday at a uh, Starbucks. I got some coffee with him, and he goes, "Well, I was like, I I, want, I need to do something. I need to go um, on a mission trip or something." And he goes, "Well, we have the Kenya trip coming up in December. Um, I can talk and see if we can get you in on that." And so um, 
we met on Tuesday, they had the staff meeting, and he goes, okay, you're in um, for the December trip, and he says, but there's one thing, um, Pastor Brian wants to know if, like, we have someone stay, because there's a trip going into in September, um, if we have someone stay for the whole um, nine to ten weeks, and without a doubt, I was like, okay, I'm doing it. I just, I knew this was supposed to happen, and... Um, <laughs> Um, it's just like I've never felt something like this. Yeah, bro. <laughs> and one of the one of the cool things about Caleb that he didn't share with you guys too is his. This is so mature, but like his prayer for his whole week of camp was was God. I don't want to go home and just have this this mountaintop experience at camp and have it just kind of go back to where it was before like it usually does. Uh, so that's his prayer going into it, going, God, like, like do something big in my life and, and give me the, you know, the power and the motivation to help it stay there. Like, I, I don't want to just come back and, and settle back into my routine. I want this to be something that's real and true. And um, so that was, I mean, the stuff that he was verbalizing to me through this process, I'm going, who are you, man? You're like me at 18, you would have put me to shame, dude, physically and Spiritually, all right. <laughs> um, I kind of forgot where it was. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we talk, we're meeting, um, and so we plan to meet with uh, or call Ken Rudolph um, that afternoon on Tuesday um, just for some wisdom and to see where I, where I should go, maybe after the trip, um, missionary-wise or just anything. So um, we called him, and this is, it gives me chills just thinking about it. Um, so... Uh, I told him who I was, and I could have played football, and that was my dream. Um, and I had, I, well, I kind of turned away from that. Even though some options were shut, I still had the opportunity to play. Um, so I told him who I was, and um, he goes, uh, you know what, Caleb? Sunday night, I had a dream that a young man sat down at a table. Um, sat down at a table and uh, with some college coaches and turned down some scholarships to do something good, great for God. And I was, I was like, <laughs> it was incredible. I was like, I, this is just perfect. No, only God could do this. And I was like, just in awe. <laughs> I still am. Yeah. yeah, we all are, man. So, um, so to clarify, just so you guys can kind of hear what Caleb's going to be doing, as an 18-year-old kid. When do you turn 19? September. September. Oh, okay. So he'll be a 19-year-old kid. So there's a team going in September to Kenya to kind of just make sure everything's set for our trip in December. There's nine weeks in between. Caleb's going in September. He's got his plane ticket already. They're leaving him there for nine weeks in Pastor Emmanuel's house in the bush of Africa. Um, and when he heard about it, I, I'm looking at, like, Brian's super excited, and I'm like, that's really cool, man. But, I mean, ah, you know, I don't know. And Caleb hears it, and he's like, I'm in. I'm doing it. He's like, let's do it. I'm like, okay. we got to talk to your parents maybe first about this. <laughs> and, uh, but listen, we went. I sat down with his mom at his house, and literally, this, is, this was her response. This is not even an exaggeration. She just, her jaw dropped, and she just goes. 
and just fist bumped him. She's like, that is awesome. I'm like, all right, well, there's confirmation. And then I know his dad is behind it. I know that they're both super supportive. And how could you not be when, when God's saying, listen, I want you to go here. I want you to do this for my name, for my glory. As a parent of a kid, I mean, I would hope that my daughters do that one day. You know, I look at kids like this and I go, man, if my, if my girls would grow up, have that kind of heart for God, have that kind of ear for God, that when he speaks, we listen, and when he says go, like the song says, we go. And uh, that's what Caleb's doing. I mean, that's incredible. He's, given, he's basically given a full year to God, saying, I just want to go on mission trips. I want to serve at Lake Ann as a counselor. I want to I do this. I want to immerse myself in ministry. I want God to show me what he wants me to do with my life. So I'm going to take a full year to do that. Right When you have all these dreams and all these hopes of doing something and then come to the realization, not that God's slamming those doors so that you'll be broken, but he's slamming those doors so that he can show you what his dream is for you. And the fact that Caleb sat down with me and said, I understand and recognize why God closed those doors and this is why. I'm just going, who are you, man? Can you please be my son? Because I want to brag on you the rest of my life, man. Um, so it's really, really cool. I'm proud. I'm stoked. You guys should be as well because this is, um, this is a result of obviously his parents in his home, um, but any people who have interacted with Caleb in, the, in teaching him and talking to him and encouraging him, all those things have played into um, God bringing him to this point. And so um, it's, not just, it's not just Caleb and, and you know, his decision, but a lot of people have played into that in pushing and directing and discipling. Um, and the fact that he has, has heeded wisdom and listened to God God is really, really incredible. And so, again, you should be very, very proud. So, um, stoked for you, man. Thanks for sharing. I'll take, I'll take that, too. All right. Well, um, for the sake of I have one minute and ten seconds left, um, I didn't have a whole lot to say, but I do want to just kind of um, encourage you guys with something real quick. Um, uh, there's, a, there's a really cool relationship that, that's happening, I think, in our church, and we look at our students, and we look at the way they lead worship, and we look at the stories and testimonies of what God's doing in their life and where he's moving them, how he's shaken their world, and really putting them in a place where um, it can only be God, and, and they have to completely rely on him. Um, that, that, if that doesn't speak 1 Timothy 4.12, I don't know what would. Looking at students, here's what it says if you're not familiar. It says, let no one despise you because of your youth, right? Let no one look down on you because you're young, but instead set an example um, to the believers. So anyone, older, younger, you, youth, teenagers, adolescents, can set an example um, to the rest of the body of Christ in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. And when you see them up here leading us to the cross in worship and you hear these stories, um, this is being played out right in front of you within the body at Northwest Community Church. And you guys should be really, really excited that we have a, a student ministry, um, a group of kids that are buying into um, the gospel, buying into the Great Commission, buying into um, listening and, and following what God wants them to do. Rather than sitting back and being comfortable during the summer, um, they're, they're going and they're serving and they're giving up their weeks and they're giving up their, their time and their energy. And not only for this week in the summer, but um, we see them doing it all year. There's a few things I want to share with you guys because I think it's really important for you to hear not just these stories, but I want you to hear what the students have been doing this past year. And you'll hear a little bit more about this next week. Um, but a lot of times we don't, on a, on a big congregational level, really hear what's going on as far as how they serve. Like we see some big crazy events and wow, we went paintballing, that's fun. 
Um, but the things that they're doing to change and impact their world are really, really um, incredible. And just a, a few small things that they're doing, one of them, we did a, um, a toothbrush drive, very simple, but we re they, they collected and donated um, near 1,000 toothbrushes, and we sent them to um, the Middle East for Syrian refugee children. Um, which was pretty cool. So they took ownership of that and collected a whole lot of toothbrushes, blew the missionaries away that we sent those to. Um, they, they fasted for 30 hours just simply to raise awareness for hunger in Africa. Um, social media, you know, putting it out there. 30 hours not eating is not fun nor easy, but they did that to raise awareness for, for other needs in our world. Um, they, they created and made birthday cards for homeless children. Um, they created and made encouraging notes and cards for uh, military folks overseas, and they um, gave up their spring breaks to serve in Durham and in Raleigh. They gave up their weeks to go to camps like this, and it's not just a one-time thing in the summer, but it's ongoing, and it's constant, and, and they're serving, and they're loving people, and they're getting themselves out there in the community, not so that they can have this you know, long list of things that they've done, but so that people will see and, and understand the love of Christ, and that's why we do it, and that's why they do it, and they buy into that. So the example that they're setting through the way that they're serving should encourage us. It should challenge us. I know it convicts me a lot of times um, when, when God's saying, hey, go do this. And I'm like, um, uh, is that really God talking? Um, I don't really have time. I don't, you know, really feel like whatever. And we have these excuses when they hear God say go and they go and they listen. That should challenge and convict a lot of us in here. So 1 Timothy 4.12, we have a girl. Um, Hannah, are you in here? Where's Hannah Lawrence? Okay, Hannah's down here. Hannah started an organization at Green Hope called Generosity, genera, parenthesis, city, C-I-T-Y. Pretty cool, play on words. Um, she, she just had this idea one day, and uh, here's, what, here's what Hannah told me about why she wanted to start Generosity in her school. She started it, she runs it, and she has kids coming every single week. Here's what she said. I started it last year as a junior because I love helping people, and after seeing a lot of homeless people on the street a lot during the summer, I was just reminded how much I have and how I can give back to others. So we met, as, uh, we met usually every two or three weeks, and we did Operation Christmas Child. We partnered with a man in Durham who collects socks for homeless people because socks are one of the least donated items but most needed. We helped out with the Syrian refugee toothbrush collections. We created and collected items for care packages for families going into the UNC hospital unexpectedly. Um, and they did some other smaller projects as well. She says, we started with 35 to 40 students, and we ended with a core group of about 20, um, and we're looking to expand more and make an even bigger impact. This is a 17-year-old girl who said, I really feel like God wants me to do this, to make an impact on the world, on the community, and to lead others in that movement, and she did it. She didn't sit back and go, it's going to be too hard. i got to talk to teachers, administration. I gotta, she said, you know what? That's what God's telling me to do. I'm going to do it. And she did it, and you're seeing a lot of fruit from that, and she's helping people, and she's spreading, um, spreading really the gospel through love and through the way that they're helping and serving other people. We have a kid, Ben Shade. Is Ben in here? There he is right down front. Ben Shade has the privilege as a junior next year of leading the uh, FCA um, group here at Panther Creek, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So they get together every week, and Ben um, will have the opportunity multiple times a month to like essentially preach for five or ten minutes out of, out of the Bible to like 20 of his peers. Right? A lot of people that come to FCA aren't necessarily strong believers, but they come because they're athletes and maybe their friends are, are coming. So Ben will have a chance to open up God's word and to share uh, what, what God wants them to do, how, what it looks like to live a, a godly life, what Jesus wants for their life. This is a kid who said, you know what, I'm going to go. I don't want to just be a part of it. I want to lead it. I want to run it. I want to have a, a deeper impact. And so he did. Not sitting back and just being a part of it, but actually stepping up and doing something. And I say that to a lot of you in here that, that have teenagers, maybe you don't, but there's a, there's a reciprocal, right, 
uh, in that relationship, not only are they encouraging and challenging us as youth, but Psalm 71, here's what that tells us. It says um, in verses 17 and 18, Oh God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. So they're not getting to these places just by them growing up and making their own decisions. They have parents in their home that are pushing them, that are asking those questions. You know, what do you want to do that's bigger? What are some things that you can do to get involved? They're having gospel-centered conversation. And so my, my challenge and encouragement maybe to some of you parents in here, you know, you hear those stories and go, man, I'd love for, you know, for my students to be doing something like that, to, to start something or to create a Bible study or a prayer group or whatever it is. So my, my question is, you know, what are, what are you guys asking um, your, your teenagers in your home? What are you guys challenging? them with? What are the conversations you're having? Are you taking time out of your days to sit down and talk about the Bible, talk about what God wants them to do with their life, talk about how to live a life that would reflect Christ? Uh, and the rest of the church, those of you that may have teenagers that have graduated out of high school and they're off at college, or maybe you have young ones, or maybe you don't have um, kids at all at this point, um, but that doesn't leave you guys out just because you don't have a teenager living in your home. We have, uh, we have student ministry leaders um, that don't have any kids, two of them up here, um, we have others that don't have children, don't have teenagers, but they're having an impact week in, week out on these kids in the way that they serve. Uh, it could be as simple as you see them out in the halls and, you know, you walk up to them and just ask them how, how they're doing, right? Like, Adam gave me permission to ask you, how's your life going, okay? How was your week at school? What is God teaching you? How is he revealing himself uh, in your life right now? Okay, kids, don't be scared if they come and talk to you, if they're a stranger, okay? Just answer them. And... Okay. Um, but ask them questions. Take an opportunity in the moment that you have to maybe encourage them, offer a little bit of uh, encouragement and truth in their life. Maybe it's on a level of becoming a student ministry leader, shameless plug, okay? Um, if you want to come and help out uh, on a weekly basis and pour into their lives and, and show them who Christ is and raise up this generation to do something um, great for God as they're already, as they're already doing. Uh, we have one of our guys that's not even a, a weekly student ministry leader on, on Sunday mornings or evenings, but he has a group of kids that he meets with on every single Saturday. Uh, to do discipleship with them. He takes our now rising eighth graders and he's meeting with them every single week. Maybe you hear this and you go, man, I'd love to meet with a small group of kids or I'd love to disciple a student. Um, they need it and I don't think their parents are gonna say no. So if you are a mature believer in Christ and you're like, man, I could really, um, I could really see myself getting into a student's life and really trying to disciple them and um, take them on a deeper level, uh, talk to me, please, because um, that is gonna take them to a, a new level. We love doing Sundays. We love doing our programming. But to have people discipling these students outside of the home, um, I say it when I talk a lot, but, um, you know, Brian tells me and, um, and others have said, actually, that they'll tell their students something at home over and over and over for years and years and years and years and years, for Jordan and for Justin both, and all of a sudden, I will say something oh so wise, and it will click for them. Not because I said it really any differently or any more, um, you know, I don't know, pr pr uh, clearly, okay, let's go with that word. <laughs> Obviously not, that's really ironic that that just happened. Um, but for some reason, the way that I say it, it clicks and they get it. And Brian's like, I've been saying that for how many years? But another voice in their life sometimes will lead them to a place um, that their parents have tried to, tried to get them to all along. And so having another voice, if you hear that and you go, man, I'd love to do that, talk to me. My, my dream has always been ever since I started that every single one of these students would be in a discipleship type relationship because that's the most important relationship they're gonna have because when they fall, you're there to help them get up. Not to pick them up and coddle them, but to pick them up, stand them up and go, boys, what were you thinking? And girls, 
what were you thinking? Okay. And, um, but you, tr- you, you pick them up and you help them through, through their mistakes. You, you celebrate with them through their, um, the high times and the joyous times. Um, so if you hear that, we, as, a, as the older generation and some older generations, have a responsibility to these teenagers as well, as they have do- been leading us from this stage in, in the way that they serve in their communities in this world, we should be encouraged, but we should also take that um, to heart and say we need to help them continue to make that happen. Because I, I really, really, I feel like a politician. I really believe, I really believe that this generation right here that's sitting in front of you, these kids down here are gonna change the world. And the way that our world is going right now, it needs changing. Um, I don't just say that. I, if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be on the stage. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I believe in these students. Dang it. Mm. So close, man. Look what you did to me, Caleb. Um, I believe. I believe in these students wholeheartedly. I want you guys to hear that. The reason I do this week in and week out is because I believe that you have the power to change the world. And, and I love you guys, and I, and I really see deeply in you that, that possibility and capability, but they need people to help them in that direction and move them in that direction. So um, with that said, um, that's my challenge. Think about that. You guys are doing an incredible job leading us in worship and leading us um, and showing us what it means to, to really be devoted and, and to be selfless in our, um, in our faith. So let me pray, and uh, we're going to go out with one more song. God, thanks for this morning. Thanks for these students. Thanks for this generation that's leading us to your cross um, seemingly effortlessly. Um, God, they're so talented and you've gifted them in such incredible ways. And it's, uh, it's awesome to sit back and forget that they're students, but to engage in worship of you. Um, so, so thank you for that. And um, thank you for the students and the stories that we hear. And I know that we're going to hear more stories. I know that I'll be back on the stage next year talking about new stories of students that have begun to change their worlds, change their schools, um, change the world for, for your name and for your glory. So thank you for them. Thank you for their example. God, I pray that we don't leave here without being encouraged and challenged by them. It's a powerful thing. They're young, God, but they have so much potential to change things, and they already are, and we love them for it. We love you for using them. So uh, God, we love you. We love your son. We love your spirit. Give us a great uh, rest of our morning in your son's name. Amen.